Hello and welcome to The Rewriters, a celebration of people who have shirked convention, expectation and even their own limitation to rewrite their story on their terms. Each episode will dig into the inspired and very real life stories of people who have done just that, rewritten their story. I'm a nosy practical optimist too, so expect all of the nitty gritty details. If you're an ambitious seeker craving a different kind of lifestyle, career or business, but have felt held back by your own or other people's beliefs about what's possible or permissible, The Rewriters is for you. Hello, Rewriters, and welcome to this month's episode. I'm your host and resident rewriter, Monique Shaw. And just in case you're new to the show or fancy a reminder, I run a business called Rewrite. I'm a transformational coach, lover of brand and personal brand storytelling. I'm a writer and a podcaster who makes and talks about things that help people, including you, create a career, business and life that works and feels better. Before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about my new Rewrite Career Clinics, which are powerful one-off sessions that target your biggest career challenges. There are three clinics to choose from, or you could book all three. There's the personal brand session, which will show you how to rewrite your personal brand story to shape the career or business you want. And I'll help you to get very clear on your personal brand and together we'll craft your brand narrative and pillars. There's the career clarity session for integrated career planning for a life that actually works. And that thinks about planning your career in the context of your whole life, not just your job. And there's the time wealth session. This one's to help you develop a time management strategy to maintain your impact in half the time at work. I'm a self-described time management ninja and a former people pleaser. So this one is absolutely for people who somehow seem to never have enough time to do the things that are really important to them. Each of these sessions are one-to-one with me and are super hands-on. I'll include a link to the clinics in the show notes, or you can visit rewriterewrite.com and click the Career Clinics banner at the top of the page. Okay, now on with the episode. In today's episode, I speak with Nikki Ko about her story from employment to self-employment and the very important and powerful role that her emotions and feelings now play in both her goal planning and her business planning. Nikki is a marketing strategy and business coach and co-founder of the marketing agency Luna and Lion. She worked in corporate media for many years, but always knew she wanted to work for herself someday. Nikki was constantly trying to think of business ideas and plans, but nothing stuck. She was always stumped by not having all of the answers and all of the details laid out before she began. Nikki is a self-confessed list person who loves stats and loves data, but it was only when she overcame the old story that success required her to know exactly where she wanted to go, that she was able to embrace and trust the pull of the next step rather than planning for the big end destination. Ultimately, it was through this letting go of control and the need to know that she was able to create two successful and fulfilling businesses. In a note that she wrote to me before she came onto the podcast, she quoted the writer Victoria Labam, who said, Clarity is not the place from which we begin, but rather the place at which we ultimately arrive. And Nikki said that this summed up her rewrite perfectly. She mentions this quote during our conversation, and I'll link to Victoria's work in the show notes for you too, if that resonates and you want to find out more about her and her work also. 
Nowadays, Nikki, along with her business partner, Scarlett, embraces the role of emotion and how they want to feel in their goal and business planning. Financial metrics live alongside deeper, more resonant markers of what their personal definitions of success are. In our conversation, we discuss starting a business with your best friend, pushing through needing to know for sure, and of course, the role of emotion and feelings in starting and running a business. I hope you really enjoy our conversation. I'll share the ways that you can connect with Nikki and find out more about her and Scarlett's work in the show notes. And please, as always, give the rewriters five stars, a really glowing review and share it with your friends if you enjoy it. Wishing you an awesome rest of the week and month. And now on with my conversation with Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the Rewriters. Hi, Monique. How are you? I'm very well. So let's kick off with finding out a little bit about you and your current story. I am co-founder and strategy director at Luna and Lion, which is a marketing agency for lifestyle brands um, with my fabulous co-founder um, and best friend and just general like life sister, um, Scarlett. And I also run a business coaching practice for Daring Dreamers. Um, where I work people from across different industries, backgrounds, all sorts of things um, on their business goals and plans and bringing those to life. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. Right. And when did you launch Lunar and Lion? So we launched Lunar and Lion in March 2020, a week before lockdown. <laughs> I think looking back at it, we all thought it would just be like a two week thing, thinking, oh, this won't be this won't be a big deal. I'm sure this will be fine. And obviously, uh, none of us um, realised quite the extent that it would unfold to be. But um, yes, we launched it in March 2020. And I think it's interesting because for years we'd have these kind of cocktail fueled chats Mm -hmm. of being like we should do our own thing together why are we doing this for other people and we had loads of ideas and then the next day we'd just kind of be like oh that was fun you know maybe one day maybe we'll see how it unfolds and and talked about it but never really acted on um the idea and the passion behind it really um we even were out having drinks one night and um at grind you know the bars across London and um, mm. we even got to the point of actually naming the agency which was a blend of our two cocktails at the time which was um, a pink something like a clover so it was called pink clover <laughs> at one point and we were like that's really bad let's not do that but we we got we you know we kept getting further and further and then and then stopping ourselves um, and then luckily as as fate would have it in March um, of that year um, I taken fancy from work so I was out of the corporate life and Scarlett was doing her own thing as well sort of doing some freelancing and, and some professional spinning so we were like right there's no excuses now this is the perfect setup for us to to start and I think looking back we tried so hard for so long to find our thing yeah you know, like well we could do it but what's our niche what's our focus why, why would people want to work with us like, why are we different mm-hmm. um and that was what held us back when actually at the end what we realized was we are what's different you know our you know our energy our focus um our team energy as well you know mm-hmm. we are what makes the business what it is so actually um our beliefs and our values for the company is is was more than enough and what made it special and yeah. ready to ready to launch rather than looking something else that wasn't that didn't need to be there so you were saying we should do our own thing we should do our own thing and then getting to the point where you're like well what, what's that thing going to be and that's where you stopped historically yeah 
Yeah, yeah, because I think we just, and you know, I see this with other friends and with clients, people saying they want to do something, whether it's as broad as, you know, I want to work for myself mm-hmm. um, or, you know, I want to launch an agency of some sort. And then people, I think, find ways to stop themselves because they don't know the details yet of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of put those blockers in their way. I mean, I appreciate logistically wise, you need to have an idea of, you know, the next step. You need yeah. obviously the next step. Yeah. But I think people look at so many steps ahead and because they don't know what that looks like, they stop themselves from going anywhere yeah. um, because they think they need that full picture. When actually, you know, Lunar and Lion has, has changed dramatically from what we thought it would be. And through lockdown, we went through phases of, we launched t-shirts, we ran events, um, we did sort of some corporate online workshops, you know, workshops as well, and all these things when actually our pure focus to start with was providing marketing services, and we had to, you know, evolve the plan just based on the context of what, what was happening, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So what's, what's your background, and what's Scarlett's background, and how did they cross over? Why did you want to do something together? So, um, We've both worked in marketing for a really long time and actually Scarlett used to be my boss. Um, so I left uni, um, had previously worked for, for Disney, um, loved that and then was looking for a job that kind of spanned across hospitality, um, looking for something different and yes, yeah, Scarlett, uh, lucky me, chose, chose me to be in her team <laughs> and um, we used to work for a uh, restaurant and bar group across London in the UK um, and got on really well always really clicked um in that dynamic and then um I left sort of just under a year later and really from there that's when I'd say we became really good friends um and it grew from there and I think what's always been really interesting and special about our dynamic is because we met in that professional context we've always had a really strong respect for each other professionally mm. um you know she's an absolute rock star at what she does and I've seen her really shine in that like professional context you know we have such a deep respect for each other's skill sets and also know where we both really excel um so I think in a way yes being you know best friends um I'm also godmother to her little baby girl so you know there's there's loads of ties but it also was built on that, that really strong pillar of actually knowing what we're both like when we put our proper like you know, marketing boss hats on and, and how we react to that environment, which I think was really special yeah. um, and really helped. Yeah. So you had that professional respect in place and the friendship grew out of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now we're on this journey together, hopefully, you know, forever um, and seeing how it unfolds. But yes, yeah, it's very special. And I feel very grateful to have um, to have that relationship where, we can be best friends and we can go out and we can have fun, but we can also very much switch to work mode um, mm. and have and have those conversations. We have had to sometimes set boundaries around that time. Like this is friend time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is work time um, because we're conscious of keeping both sides of that relationship, you know, special and important. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I think we bounce off each other really well. We're really good at supporting each other. Um, we've both been through a lot this last year personally. And I think it's credit to both of us and our relationship, how we've really been able to almost instinctively just pick up or support the other one as and as and when needed. Mm. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm lucky that we've both always been very open, which I'm very honest, but I think communication has been a massive part of 
you know, being co-founders and especially with lockdown and not being able to build a business together, together. Physically like together. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. And obviously we've all got used to being on Zoom and that, that has massive benefits. But I think the energy of being in a room with someone when you're building something that's so um, new and feels so personal and sometimes a bit scary, exciting, you know, all the feels not being in the same room definitely was difficult. So to have such a communication and trust was, yeah, was super important. Definitely. I can't remember the order of this. Uh, I, I always forget it. The sort of storming or forming, storming, norming process that teams <laughs> go through, right? In, um, it's, you know, I can't remember the book either, but anybody that works in a corporate will recognize this language that I'm using. But you sort of start with the, you know, getting the team together or, or, or building the group and then you thrash it all out and you have the storming phase where you're kind of working out who does what and how it sits and what the dynamics are, et cetera. And then it's norming, so it becomes normal. And then I think there's a performing one as well where you actually go beyond just being normal and into performance and, and hopefully high performance. Sounds like you and Scarlett had an opportunity to do the forming, storming, norming performing well before you started the business and that laid a really good foundation for you guys a to become co-founders but b to manage a business in isolation from one another during the pandemic yeah definitely and I think as well going through those phases in different contexts of our lives was really helpful as well instead of going through all that in a work context and then purely as friends, having no sort of work connection for a good few years, actually. Um, and then bringing it back again to almost combining those two different experiences in one very much meant that we knew each other inside out and had lots of different experiences to, to pull on to know how we would each cope in certain situations, what our strengths were. Again, strengths both professionally and personally. And I think just having that deep, trust and desire for the other person to succeed in life in you know working careers just everything I really do you know we do really want the best for each other in every sense of our lives which as I said yeah we have a very special relationship which I'm incredibly grateful for but we only ever want the best for each other so I think when you have that headspace we do a co-founder there's no kind of tit for tat or like well I did this so maybe now like you could start doing that or there's there's no scorecard it's like well I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be who I am we wouldn't be creating what we are creating without each other so it doesn't really matter day to day kind of how it unfolds and I think that's where for us the business vision and feeling has been so important because We've always said that the reason we want to run Luna and Lion, um, obviously, is to fuel our day-to-day passion of, because, well, the reason why it's called Luna and Lion is because for us, the core drivers of us starting the agency was to give us energy and to make us feel brave, which is why Mm. it's Luna for energy, Lion for bravery. Because again, we came back to the idea of like, we're trying so hard to think of a name. And then we were like, right the agency is us so why why are we doing this what's the drivers for us and it was yeah energy and bravery so that's where the name came from um and that is you know our mission statement of how we serve all of our clients is we are there to inject energy and inspire bravery and bring that to everything that we do which feels very I think natural to us as characters but also keeps us on track with with our service and what we're here to to achieve for our clients so I think having our mission 
based in something so emotive and so personal means that actually the vision for the business has always been about a lifestyle that we want to lead yeah it's, it's not it's not been about like you know I really want to earn a certain number or, or work for a specific brand obviously we we have those conversations and they're important but for us we always talk about visions of working together when like traveling abroad or um you know flying to open a New York office or like things that we talk about of how it would feel how it feels to be in that position um and what it means for our lifestyles and why we're doing it for our future families and for our future happiness so yes obviously the vision involves things like I guess more traditional success metrics of finances and wins for the business but for us it's always been about how does it feel what does it mean for us on like a um, oh I suppose a way more sort of fulfilling level you're coming from a place of why are we doing this these are the reasons why um starting with your why does it mm-hmm. does it change how you then make those uh harder business decisions around strategy and finance etc and growth yeah it definitely does and I think it's something that we 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 articulate also in a way as I said because it's kind of ingrained for us we almost don't have to say it out loud in that respect so we actually had a we so we were together every Monday normally at least once a week and um we were actually having a chat this week about kind of revisiting how we set our um our goals so how we kind of plan out our targets for the month and we started off with having things that were very kind of metric based so like x number of reach outs x number of new pitches that sort of thing and and we actually said again this week like we didn't start doing it like that and we don't want to do it like that. That's that's not how we, we kind of left the corporate world because we don't want to be sitting there like ticking off a spreadsheet of like targets and things to do. To us, we wanted to feel intuitive and something that we enjoy doing every day because that is um, the magic of building your own thing. So yeah, we've actually now gone back to kind of setting our um, monthly, well, and, and generally bigger goals in terms of yes we've got themes of um, workflows and things to do but it will be on a basis of like okay we want to be working with clients that make us feel like this yeah who might they be um, and we had a conversation recently actually where we've done a, a big project with a, a big global client um, which was an amazing win for the business and has transformed kind of our um well, I guess from day settings like our processes, but also bigger things in terms of our, of our aspiration for the business. But actually we were saying like, what's our balance there? Because yes, we want to work with those global corporates because financially, obviously it's, it's lucrative, but also it challenges us and it gets us back in those environments that we do kind of miss of those sort of like boardroom chats and things that we can like dip in and out of now. We also love working with people who um, have just started a business from their kitchen or who have run it and you know they're working as a solopreneur and want to grow it. and I we feel blessed to have that balance of the two and we were saying actually we, and we want both because of how they service our emotions in the business differently the big corporates allow us to kind of I suppose like dip into that world a bit and have fun with it and 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 love being part of that environment but then working with the entrepreneurs allows us to really be part of their story and see their transformation it's very emotive isn't it to be part of something that's that's so close to someone so again yes absolutely it's how how that services how we feel about the business and what energy that allows us to bring to the table both in terms of clients and for each other sounds like the corporate 
piece links nicely to the uh, the bre- the courage, the bravery, and mm. the kitchen table companies of one links really nice and startups links really nicely to the energy. Certainly, in my mm. experience in the corporate world, you did have to take a big like deep breath and you know, when you were giving a big presentation in a boardroom or really pushing yourself and stretching up to those big goals and having moments, I don't know if you had this in your experience, but I remember sitting in a um, in a big boardroom in New York City and, and I had the same experience when I was, because I'm not from the UK, obviously I'm Australian, mm-hmm. I had the same experience sitting in a boardroom in London and looking over the Thames. Both of those moments, I was sort of sitting there going, how did I end up here? This is, and kind of pinching myself, but it did take a lot of courage to be able to act into those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that um, talking to people that work in, on a smaller scale, entrepreneurs doing their thing starting things from scratch there's a different kind of energy in that does allow you to get right into the the detail and the heart of what's going on so yeah I just listening to you talk about the corporate versus the kitchen table businesses um, I don't know if it's minimizing or reductive to call them that but you know what I mean Um, it feels like it ties nicely to your courage energy um, duality that you've built with the business as well Yeah, and I think, again, that's kind of unfolded quite naturally. Mm. And to follow on from your point, I feel like they, doing both allows us to better serve both. Because I don't know about you, but almost like leaving the corporate world from being an employee in it and going back in sort of um, on this capacity allows me to just have way more fun with it. Mm. Um, And with all the respect in the world to, to that situation, but just to be like, I can take it at the importance level that I need to, to do my to do my job and service you on the project as best as I can and then step back. So I, I feel like I have the bravery to your point and awareness to go into that environment confident and knowing that I've got kind of a broader context, um, but have fun with it. Kind of know that it's, you know, that, um, that often these projects can be seen as something that I really want to enjoy and learn from. And then again, yeah, the energy sort of from that again allows me to work with the these you know entrepreneurs and the, and the solo business owners as well so yeah I think they fuel each other and it's it's worked out as a nice mix um that hopefully continues to evolve in in that way I absolutely 180'd when I left that world and I left in March 2020 I started my business as well <laughs> two weeks before the first lockdown um I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that too because I do think it's an interesting experience being a business owner only in that context. Um, there's some questions that I was asked at the start where I, I couldn't separate, is this the experience of running your own business or is this experience of running your own business in the pandemic or living in a pandemic or both? <laughs> but when I first left um, my employer and started my own thing, I really 180 from the corporate world. I really didn't want to, I wasn't interested in doing any corporate work. I worked with people that worked in a corporate environment and, and those professionals are the people that I can really relate to and I'm very mm. passionate about helping them make their work lives work. But I had no interest in going into corporate environments initially and, you know, the world... <laughs> The world yeah. had that um, plan for me anyway, as it turned out. Um, but actually, I've rebalanced now. And whilst I was more drawn to working with individuals and, you know, helping people to create lives and work that worked better, 
I'm drawn back to doing more stuff in corporate spaces as well, because I think there's only so much change that we can affect at an individual level. There are some things that can, um, if you stack it up to a, a more structural level, you can have mm. a bigger impact. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, just generally the mindset of someone that runs a business or wants to run a business, to me, you are innately therefore a curious person mm. and you want challenges and you want to learn. Otherwise you wouldn't be drawn to running a business because it's, you know, it's by no means kind of a routine, you know, it's not like a tick list thing, is it at all? It's you're constantly learning, constantly evolving and looking for new challenges because that's what it is. So I think if you weren't looking for other ways to service new clients or learn new things or have other experiences to me that kind of conflicts with just the foundational mindset of foundational mindset is that the right phrase <laughs> whatever you know I mean the, the, like the basic sort of approach you would need to actually be a business owner yeah um because I just don't see how you can have one and not the other so that touches on this idea uh, that I've found in my business, which is following my business's nose, like seeing mm. where it goes. And in my conversations with you, it sounds like you and Char- Charlotte, Scarlett, my friend's called Charlotte, I was talking to you today. <laughs> um, it sounds like with you and, and Scarlett, you're doing something similar. You're follow- mm. like, at the top of this, the conversation you were talking about when you started the business, you were experimenting with all different sorts of things ultimately you wanted to provide marketing services but you Mm. were doing that in lots of different ways and you kept on coming back to your why and have kept on exploring Mm. and see how things go and doing a more intuitive or organic goal planning practice can you talk to me a little bit about how you follow your business's nose and and your approach to goal planning that isn't this typical smart you list them out tick them off approach yeah definitely and and I think it's been a real personal evolution for me as well because I am innately an organization nerd I love a spreadsheet I love lists I've always been someone that loves yeah all of those things post-it notes you name it like I've got it and I used to be a um, project manager as well so my job required me every day to be super organized um, and I, I really enjoy it as well um so I think it's actually been something that I've had to let go of over the last few years and it's always been in me to be very intuitive um I've always been someone even as as a kid who would who would do things because I felt that I should um and I think that's come from my mum especially who's always been very much of the same mindset so I've always kind of I suppose I've both the skills of being really organized but also not needing things always to be logical to want to do them being able to just trust the feeling of it and for me actually initially that's where my coaching focus came from because I was again working in corporate world working advertising really enjoyed it but just had this ongoing niggle in my head of like I really want to work for myself but I just don't know what or why or how or when and um, I'm quite impatient as well so I would be like well what do I do how do I you know what what what's the answer here and I tried to get a new promotion and I got it and I loved it but it still didn't settle this you know this urge to do something different and I was at a, a corporate training a workshop sort of off-site one day and I was sat there in this room just thinking oh, this is kind of fun but again what am I doing here I just don't feel like I should I should be here and I can explain it as no more really than a sort of a a, a mini epiphany 
I just randomly thought to myself, I should be a life coach. And I remember sitting, I remember sitting where I was at the table and thinking, that's random because I've never even had a coach and I don't really know what it is. So I started to do some research and anyway, to speed up the story, I got my own coach, loved it and thought, yeah, I, I, I'm drawn to this. I don't know why, I don't know what it will lead to, but this is where I'm supposed to be. And I think that's how it's evolved for me is I was trying so hard to start a business by knowing what it was going to be and the outcome of what it was going to be. It was when I just let go more and followed the next step and follow what, you know, what lit me up and gave me energy, then it evolved. I remember I did, I did a coaching diploma while I was still working full time. And I remember sitting at work thinking, I don't even know if I want to be a coach <laughs> full time or what this will look like, but I had to really train myself to just let that go. Mm. Like, let it go doesn't matter I I what the the energy I got from learning something new was so amazing I just thought well I'm supposed to be doing this and how it works out for me will will unfold and I I don't necessarily believe in fully letting go I definitely believe we have to take action and make things happen for ourselves but I believe that action can just be that next step it doesn't have to be creating that full plan I think that moment and and losing that mindset and changing that habit for me is what has helped me to allow both of the businesses to to unfold because again even when I when I then left work and took redundancy my plan was to become a coach which I was already doing so that I, and I loved it but I I know I wanted to do marketing as well because I I love the creative focus of it I and I'm good at it as well you know and I enjoy it and I wanted to work with the people so that's where Luna and Lion came in. Then I thought, oh God, how am I going to actually do both? What's going to be the split here? Because, you know, again, maybe like a lot of us, I carry, um, you know, a perfectionist self that likes to pop up its head every now and then. I said, well, I can't do both really well. How am I supposed to be able to do both? But actually, again, just by trusting that next step of being like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to do both. So I'll just see what happens. Now it's become a really magical mix of having three or four coaching clients that I sort of coach on the side and then having Luna and Lion and it's actually created a really great cycle sometimes that allows my coaching clients to come up with Luna and vice versa which again I had not planned for and if I had it probably wouldn't have worked (laughs) um so I think that is how it's been a case of just letting that go and what's led me to planning with emotion I suppose and emotion and, and vision for my life beyond just the business goals yeah. and planning it so what I want to be how do I want to feel who am I with yeah it's interesting what you say there about rather than saying or sticking with well how am I going to make this work I want to do both but how am I going to make this work you made the decision that you wanted both or you felt that you wanted both and you would just keep taking mm. the next step to see how it unfolded And then purely organically and by divine magic, you've got two businesses that are feeding into each other (laughs) completely unintentionally, uh, but really, really working. And that wouldn't have happened, as you say, necessarily, if you'd forced the issue. It had to unfold by the Mm. doing. The the important point that I think you made there uh, was not being too fixed on, you know, what the things are or the steps are that you need to take thinking about the big picture and how you want it to feel but also Mm. adding some action to that and doing the doing um you don't get you don't get there without doing that bit 
absolutely and, and there's a um a TED talk Anna she's also got a, a small book out um by an amazing lady called Victoria Laban who does it her book's called Risk Forward um that basically is yeah just about this idea of trusting the next step and I'm sure we've heard in different forms whether it's yeah you know take the next step forward or trust what lights you up or that sort of thing but this idea that actually of letting go of that very toxic narrative that's that to be successful you need to know the destination and she has an amazing quote which I probably will not do justice but the general gist is um clarity is not the place from which we begin but the place at which we ultimately arrive which I think is mind-blowing because it's so true people think that to start something you need to know the path it needs to be clear when you don't as you said to your point like it's clear to me now that I can do both businesses but at the time I had no idea and um, so I use that quote a lot because I think it sort of defines lots of different areas of my life personally and professionally um and I just think it's when people don't think about enough or give themselves credit for that actually you really don't need to know what's going to happen next or what even you know step three four five at the end is it's and also that to me again that's part of the journey like if everyone knew what their life's going to look like surely people think they want to know but they don't really want to know yeah absolutely because otherwise what's where's the adventure where's the excitement where's the the lessons the challenges all those things so I think we trick ourselves by thinking we want to know the outcome and actually we don't really but yet still use it as a reason not to do something we can rob ourselves of the 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 play and the that that kind of the need our inner Mm. child need to experiment and play and explore and see and um you know that adult brain the the over intellectualizes and requires absolutes um, and, and then what what do you do when you achieve that goal that you've popped on the list that is very prescriptive and ticked off mm-hmm. but make another yeah. goal or another list of goals that you that there's this per- perpetual cycle of pursuing the list of things that you want to achieve ticking them off and I do it myself so I'm saying this from a place of someone Mm. who is very much a lists person, very driven by achievement and really interrogating that and challenging that with myself, but also honoring it too. Uh, But there is this perpetual cycle that we get ourselves into if we're constantly pursuing very prescriptive goals that are set out and laid out for us in very neat lists. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's fascinating because, again, to your point, and as I said, I'm a list person as well. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I definitely think, you know, again, with my kind of the logic part of my brain, I, I still definitely believe in the importance of um, tracking your business, analysing what's working, what's not working. Um, my background just before I left um, corporate advertising was um, a strategist. So it was my whole job to look at data and, and find ideas and insights from that so I I really enjoy it but I think it's using it in a way that um fuels your imagination rather than restricts your imagination sorry say that again Um, using the data I say data because I'm Australian uh, using data or information in a way that fuels your imagination rather than restricts or strips your imagination yes definitely rather than restricts it and you could you can almost feel the energy shift between the two 
if you have all these harder numerical visions and targets in place for your business, I think, well, I'll speak for myself. If I don't hit those, to me, I feel smaller. I feel somehow like they bear the measure and I've not hit the measure. Um, and to me, that's restrictive. So when I then plan forward from that point, I've started mm-hmm. from a place of lack, like I've not got to where I should be. So looking ahead, I've already, I'm already short. Whereas if I use the, again, previous data, whether that might be for you, whether that is um, feedback, web data, whatever, however you're set up and whatever data you have to pull into, even things like, I love to look at sources like um, Mintel, or we do our own client research as well using that as a place to then plan forward and create ideas to me is is empowering and very much can kind of flip both and and again I'm not saying that you can run a business without any numbers or any background but I think planning a business and visualizing a business just with numbers in place you miss out on a whole element of power that comes from planning with emotion and feeling because at the end of the day as well surely people want to hit certain numbers and targets of their business because how it makes them feel so you think oh I want to um I don't know make or sell 10 grand worth of this product but you want to sell that because it will make you feel successful happy accomplished grateful whatever whatever it is for you but you want it because it has importance so again maybe if you thought about if you thought about planning or visioning for that feeling as well as that outcome would that change how you would vision plan the business what I'm hearing is aim for both. And we are wired, particularly if we come from traditional corporate backgrounds, we are wired to do the other kind of planning. We all know how to set smart goals. Mm. Um, I don't know how many people actually do the the read through. Is this a smart goal? We all know how to set smart goals. We all know how to do, you know, quarterly targets, monthly targets, our lists, et cetera. And it's not to throw that out entirely, but it's to unlearn a little bit or give it its place and allow it to be maybe an element of of structure and grounding. But you need to have that other Mm. layer um, and be led by that bigger, deeper, uh, richer way of approaching what it is that you want and why. Or if you don't know what it is that you want, mm. how do you want to feel? Why am I doing this? Uh, what would be possible if I X, Y, Z? What could it look like if I X, Y, Z? Unlocking that exploration and that um, that visioning, as you um, as, as you mentioned. And then when you've done that, you've opened that up and you've explored that and how beautiful to be able to do it with a co-founder where you can bounce ideas off each other and you can bring your individual values and then have your collective shared Mm. values as well. But then you can anchor that in some some harder metrics. Because again, if you have just the feeling and the how do I want to feel and why am I doing this, you might Mm. not have a viable business (laughs) if you don't also have some 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 hard yeah. some hard yeah. numbers too and and some revenue yeah I think I love the word that you use earlier about um play you know and we always be best about being curious and I think as you say just as a business owner looking at how you want to plan your business and being open to new ways of doing it and being curious with other ideas of how you can do it can only strengthen yeah. your position 
100% I am a, as I said, I'm a numbers girl. I love a spreadsheet, but I just think everyone's different. And I said, everyone will, will, will plan and will vision their business however they need to, to service, to service them. But um, by just trying to put in different skills, different perspectives can only enhance the ways in which we do things. You know, sometimes I work with clients who I feel like a, uh, yeah, I'm missing out on pulling through some of those richer, richer things, as you say. And it also, I think as well, comes back to your point around what we've been inherently taught running a business looks like. And this real balance of, um, I was actually read something really recently that was interesting around the balance of masculine and feminine energy in business um, and how traditionally, um, and I don't necessarily mean like men and women, sure. just kind of the different energy forms that that, that comes with and how um, masculine energy is very much measured by logic-based metrics um, and things that are, um, again, more traditional, whereas feminine energy in business is, is linked more to um, intuition and reflection and pause. And how we both know the benefit, we all know the benefits of both. Um, I think can really easily from the media and other sources just get pulled back into focusing on that more kind of yeah traditional energy around it and forgetting the other skills that we already possess but maybe often don't think about as much my main program rewrite your career story came out of a conversation with my friend Charlotte who I was mentioning earlier I developed it as an online only program and she had a number of people that wanted to do it I think I've talked about this on the podcast before she had a a number of people in her network wanted to do it and so I said well if you're all going to do it at the same time I will run some group sessions and see how that works Mm. and boom it became a group program and it's now my number one it's the it's the core part of my business it's the it's the um it's the best thing that I do it was in terms of my enjoyment but also Mm. when I um I did Marie Forleo's b-school last year and I I reviewed all of my um revenue streams and 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 my group program isn't the most expensive thing in my offering but it was overwhelmingly the most profitable and I hadn't really realized that until I went back and really reviewed where it's all coming from so the the idea for the business sorry the idea for the the program uh initially came out of a conversation with a friend and the idea for the group program came out of an opportunity with a friend so these are things that are kind of coming out of conversations and being open to see what's going to come up rather than me sitting down with a blank sheet of paper going right what am I going to build and how am I going to sell it and who am I going to sell it to but the understanding of where my business was was uh doing uh you know generating the most profit for me and I need that to be a prop uh, to be a, a viable business was in looking at the looking at the data and or data And the same thing has happened with where I get my business from. So I invested some money in doing uh, some advertising, Facebook advertising, and I learned a lot through that process. But I had this idea of, well, if I start to do advertising, then all these people are going to want to do my course. And uh, it, you know, if you if you just sort of hit play on the ads they're all going to come and then I started to worry you'll laugh at this I started to worry about having too many people coming through because I don't want to 
I, I, don't, I didn't start a business to be overwhelmed with work. If I wanted to work an 80 hour mm. week, I'd go back to the corporate world. So I started to get <laughs> worried about all these imaginary people that were going to be flooding and booking up my course. And actually, when I reviewed where all of my leads came from, again, looking at the data, overwhelmingly, they are referrals from previous clients, mm. people within my network. Overwhelmingly, they are not cold um, leads off the internet. They are people who yeah. know someone that knows me or people who know someone who has worked with me before or people who have been watching my stuff or listening to my stuff for a while. Mm. That's where they're coming from. And again, if I was thinking I need to generate all of my leads through this cold lead um, system of just, you know, pushing out as much advertising as I can and bringing them all in, mm. I'm not going to convert sales. So that I, it's only through this conversation and I'm kind of thinking at, I'm thinking out loud that yeah. I have naturally got that balance of explorative, exploratory goal development and, and business mm. planning with that more, um, you know, hard logic analysis, measurement and control for all the marketers out there <laughs> approach as well. I think it's interesting because what, what you were saying there and what came up for me was this idea actually that sometimes the hardest thing to do as a business owner is to do nothing <laughs> like you feel like the truth? you feel like yeah you feel like you need to do all these things yeah. like trying new ways to get business mm-hmm. developing new services because you have to be doing something all the time which a as we know it's a lot of energy um and and time doesn't it you know resource to put into this thing to do something new which again is part of what we love and, and why we do it but it can be the hardest thing to just sometimes sit there and think I just need to let this go for a while and I, I don't mean let go as in not do it but I mean let go as in like let go of control mm-hmm. and to have referrals is as we know marketing gold mm-hmm. that is absolute gold dust and what everyone would dream of so it's funny isn't it how when it's our own business we we can sometimes, as you say, kind of, I suppose, dismiss that in a way and think, well, that's cool. But like, what, what do I do now? Like, what do I do next? When actually just to let that unfold and those clients come to you in that way is the best, but sometimes hardest thing to do. I absolutely dismissed it. That's not <laughs> to say that I was dismissing the people that were coming to me through my network, but mm. in my head, and, and it was automatic. I wasn't consciously thinking this. I had to really interrogate it in my head. I was almost cheating. Well, they're coming to me because they know such Mm. and such or they knew that client that, you know, and so I wasn't dismissing them, but I was dismissing the validity of generating uh, business through my existing Mm. network. It was bonkers. Um, There's this term that I heard called bloom your existing connections or bloom your connections. And it emerged from the slow business movement that I was really interested in when I started the business and still am now. Um, But this and it's the same with goals and it's the same with achievements generally. This need to generate new and more and, you know, when we could spend our time growing what we already have and seeing what we already have at our disposal that we might not even realise is pure gold and very, very rich. Absolutely. I feel like just, you know, generally, I mean, God, what a society is always a drive for more, mm-hmm. but especially in a business context as well. You think, 
I think we're all bad, aren't we? Recognizing our achievements and successes and thinking, oh, that's great, but what's next? That was cool, but I've done that now. So what do I do now? Yeah. Um, and rather than just sitting and let that actually bed in and grow, um, can be really, really hard. And I think especially with um coaching as well, there's a there's a balance of thinking, you know, actually if I've really found my tribe and I love what I do and love how I service them, again, just growing the business change and the fact that it's not about getting you know more people but maybe having less people but that you have more time with and kind of that richer experience with and maybe that you know that's more of an investment which again I think can flip our perception of what growing a business Mm -hmm. means or looks like um yeah I I find that constantly fascinating how we can battle between that narrative of more more and how do I get more clients and new clients rather than actually thinking I don't need you know I don't need that that's not how I want to put my energy into the company reason that I started Rewrite or the, the the idea of Rewrite came from looking back at my own career story and personal story and seeing how I had rewritten my story over and over and over again. And I'm really passionate about people from all sorts of backgrounds and places and spaces being able to self-determine too. Like when I was talking about the, 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 the moment in the boardrooms in New York and London, I didn't step into an office until I was 26. I had no interest in working in the corporate world when I was going through uni and when I when I started working. I I did I went to art school. I was really bad at it. I always liked writing. I should have done a, a an English literature degree, but I didn't. Um, but I bummed around for years working out. I just didn't know what I wanted to do, and I had to let go of that story of of I can't or it's too late and people like me can't. And so when I found myself in that space going, here I am, (laughs) wow, how did that happen? And well done me, pat on the back. Um, You know, I really, really had to let go of those stories and and being able to look back on all of the things that I'd done in my in my life and then all of the things that I'd achieved in my career, I wanted to help other people to rewrite their stories too, you know, come, come what may. So having that Mm. thing to check back in on is really, really important. And the other stuff, like I've got a little boy, I want to be able to pick him up from school. I don't want to be missing his bedtime multiple times a week. So there's stuff outside of my professional ambitions that fueled my desire to work for myself as well. Did you and Scarlett have anything Mm. outside of, you know, professional ambitions and the way that you wanted to to feel fulfilled in your work was there stuff in terms of the lifestyle you mentioned lifestyle before that really fueled working for yourself or working in a different way yes definitely I think things we articulated were things like being able to work from different parts of the world being able to choose also who we wanted to work mm. with um I'm sure you can relate to as well in the marketing context you know I work with clients that I've just gone I don't care about your brand at all and I, and I I think to be creative on a project that you don't care about is basically impossible and not fair for them either yeah 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 absolutely um so I think it was more about how we felt about our work and what we could contribute um and yeah the space we were working in you know we wanted to be able to move around work from home work in co-working spaces which obviously ironically with COVID everyone's kind of gone through that shift anyway um and I suppose definitely for me, and I think Scarlett as well, but maybe not something we've directly said to each other, 
was I guess what I was saying to you about this this sense of excitement the sense of unknown and I'm, mm. I'm not really a routine person I don't really like it so the idea of being able to have one day one week month completely different to the next um I generally find sometimes draining but most of the time um I find really exciting so um yeah absolutely a few elements kind of beyond the professional day-to-day that, that drove us to to start our own thing so what are some of the stories that you had to let go of to work for yourself to finally do the thing? The first one was definitely that success is based on knowing the destination or the outcome. I guess we've, mm. you know, we've previously phrased it um, that to be good at something, you need to know where you're going and why. Um, I think because a bit like you said, I've, I work really hard and I, I'm a high achiever. I always have been. So I guess connected to that, also letting go of that fear, I suppose, of, of not being good at something. Um, I've not necessarily, I've not been scared of um, a failure. I'm someone that will, again, I love an adventure. I'll always try something new. But I think because this had always been a goal of mine or a dream of mine to work for myself, it felt bigger. It felt really kind of... Um, important um and quite life defining um so I think it was again about letting go of of that fear that it might not be what I want or might not work out how I expect um and I've always been as I said someone that really loves to learn something new but I think as well the other lesson that comes to mind or stories let go of is this idea that it, it's it's still okay to sit still. I think what we were saying earlier has been a hard thing for me to absorb myself. Um, always looking at the next step, always looking ahead is, is great. And I wouldn't change that about myself. I wouldn't change that drive, but I've definitely had to learn that that is not the only way you can actually grow a business and enjoy your life. <laughs> Sometimes the need to sit still is actually really crucial. Um, and I mm. think as well, often we get our best ideas when we're still um when we pause so yeah a few things and I'm sure more a lot more to come <laughs> are there any that you're aware that you are still actively working to let go of yes I am definitely still learning to let go of my perfectionism and my impatience too but I think they're connected in the sense that um and again I don't I don't want to um put myself down for those because I think my perfectionism means that I always work really hard and I always deliver a really high standard in whatever it is that I do but I also know that it drains my energy from things that I could probably use it better elsewhere um or that I don't give myself enough credit for things whether I've done so I'm working through that but I think it takes time and it was probably initially magnified because having something, having a business that's totally your own and output is totally your own, I think only amplifies that perfectionist tendency. Mm. Um, And then in terms of impatience, again, the positives of that mean that I get things done, I am motivated, but also again means that I think that connects to this idea of like letting go sometimes. Um, And especially with, timelines of things um 
I guess for all of us, COVID has meant a lot of things haven't happened when we thought they would in our lives, whether that be personally or professionally. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm, I'm learning to not just focus on the, the next, yeah, what the next thing might be, just sitting with the moment a little bit more. So what are the tools that you use to do that, to let go of perfectionism or your perfectionist tendencies and to practice patience? So I don't know about you, but I find it really interesting that um, coaching, I think specifically, is something people, people do because they need coaching themselves. So I think I trained to be a coach because I wanted coaching. <laughs> um, and I learned so much from um, from that process um, and the other coaches that I've been honoured to meet throughout and obviously the clients I've worked with since. So I think a lot of it has just come through me developing developing the skills to have a whole other level of self-awareness. Um, and also in a way through doing the diploma, it kind of forced myself to have that time to reflect and think about these things. Um, but I suppose that's that's intense. People not doing, not doing a diploma in coaching. Um, I think it's come through things just like compassion for yourself and and awareness those daily habits um I've got a very loud sort of imposter voice that pops every now and then and I just sometimes think through education so like I've got said I'm, I'm a big fan of, of books and podcasts um I think the source by Tara Swartz really interesting about this kind of being more aware of your metacognition so your thought processes and how your brain works I think it's really interesting so I think educate yeah. yourself on, on why they come up um, and the background of it. And then awareness and space, space to think. I mean, for a coach, um, people are surprised. That I, I, I think sometimes, I don't know about you, people seem to think that coaches love journaling. I get asked that if people think that I'm, because I'm a coach. I love it. I do. <laughs> yeah. I love a journal. <laughs> I want to, but I just don't. <laughs> um. I, but I, I try but I think again what we're saying is about being curious trying different things to give yourself space um to reflect and think and even I found when I I walk a lot I've always walked a lot but I walk a lot again doing something I'll be listening to podcasts or music or on the phone whereas I find I was going for a walk without anything feels really weird to start with but actually um can be really insightful Mm. yeah I I walk my dogs um so I do the school mm. run in the morning and then I come home and I do the dog run so I take the dogs out and then I start work and on a good day I have also had a chance to meditate and journal before my little boy gets mm. up but that does not always happen and that's mm. okay I, I don't um I don't get too rigid with my um the the, the chronology of my morning but I was also cramming my dog walk with podcasts or conversations with family or friends and just not having other than this. And it comes from this achievement place as well. I was scheduling in my time to pause, which was in my meditation. So I was still performing. Mm. <laughs> I was still, well, I'm going to do my morning meditation. That's what I like schedule in my opportunity to disconnect and I realized the irony of that actually only recently. And I've started walking the dogs in silence. Mm. And that is just as much of a meditation as sitting down with a guided meditation and walking through whatever it is that I want to walk through. 
in that particular meditation. But silence mm. sounds like what you what you do to disconnect from the perfectionism and the impatience is just quietening things down. Yeah, and I ultimately I think as well, what's interesting and, and what I said there without without actually realizing it is again through coaching so I'm sure you come across this too is actually um you're trained to understand the fact that people hold on to these patterns and lessons because they serve them in some way so even though you think like oh "Oh, I don't like this about myself you hold on to it because it serves a belief or narrative in your head that you are this person or you do this so Mm -hmm. you hold it because Mm -hmm. it serves you it benefits you which I guess is what I did there wasn't it I was like well I'm impatient but it does mean that there's it has this benefit and I'm perfectionist but it does mean it has this benefit so again I think being aware of yes I want to change or upgrade x y z about myself is step one but I think being really honest about okay but do I really want to change that about myself I either I think I should you know the classic word I should or I want to yeah. actually do I really want to change it how does that serve me in some way of my life why I'm doing it for a reason so what's the payoff yeah 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 and I think a lot of people aren't honest with themselves about what they really want to change and how those different traits or behaviors serve in ways that might be fueling that so again I think step two is being really honest about do I actually want to change this why does it benefit me and if I change it what does that mean do I want that outcome what does that mean then what does that look like you know, I think one of the, the biggest payoffs, challenges and payoffs that I see in my work, and it's something that I really struggled with in my work um, professionally as well, is overwork mm. and creating this situation where we have we're always running to, an, like, to the other meeting, diaries crammed, no moment to, to breathe. Um, you know, I was on holiday with a friend and um, the first thing she did when she arrived was she had to get out her laptop and quickly review something for work. And I've done it. People do it. We create these, you know, we, we work in these roles that require us to always be on, to always be accessible, to do the 80 hour weeks. And what's the payoff? Because if we're struggling with having time for ourselves, or we're stressed or we don't have um any room to look after our well-being mentally or physically what's the payoff for always responding to the email or um, being the one that picks up the mess for everybody else or whatever it is because there is a payoff for me it was proving that I was worth Mm -hmm. it proving that I had a right to be there and I should be there proving that I was needed it was all of that stuff. And it, it's pretty vulnerable stuff, but there is a payoff. You are 100% right. And it's, are you ready to let go of that payoff? Then you can think about what the goal is that you want to move towards because you will never get a handle on your time, have time to take mm-hmm. up that hobby or whatever. The goal is the goal that you want until you identify what the payoff is and really get ready to let go of that payoff definitely and I'm I'm sure you feel the same when you coach someone new and you have these conversations and I feel like we intuitively gauge with our clients but also understanding with them like are you ready for this you know you say that whether it's a business goal with my clients and things like you know they want to grow to a certain level or change their mindset or confidence whatever it might be is having that chat of like that's amazing and I'm fully here for you but 
do you actually want that are you ready what does that mean mm-hmm. because again you know we were saying that yes people want the the next thing the more thing whatever it is and that's not to say that that they won't create that but is that now is that is the, is the payoff relevant for the context of, of what you want it to want to want to build for yourself next and I think again it's that pressure of being like no I'm ready for it now and it's like well if you do that things will change do you really want that change mm, yeah absolutely so if someone was listening to this and they were having conversations don't know if depending on where they are in the world maybe they're able to have conversations in a bar over cocktails <laughs> with a friend and they keep on having that we should do something together we should we should we should do something together and they keep on stopping mm. they can't push through what advice would you give them I would say get really honest with yourself as to why you want something different so lose the details of what that thing is what it looks like what for you at the moment is either missing or what are you craving um that whether that be um a certain lifestyle or an energy or a feeling or whatever it might be um and work back from that place again it's easy to say out loud and and I think it's where coaching can be incredibly valuable depending on, on figuring out what it how it creates itself for you um but yeah, I think be honest about, okay, well, if, if we can't quite figure out what this looks like, um, let's go deeper. What, what is it that I'm trying to fulfill? What is it that I think is missing? And then how do I do that? Um, I'd also suggest absorb a lot, be inspired by things, whether that is um, books, podcasts, galleries, shows, whatever it is, like get out of your daily routines. I think also when we're in our autopilot mode we're not receptive if you're looking for new ideas you need to see and be around new things um so I think in you know meet new people go to new places do new things read new books because it might sound really simple but I think having that mindset mindset shift from autopilot routine to something different opens your mind up to new ideas fantastic now what um, is coming up for you that you would like to shout about it both for Luna and Lion and also for you and your coaching business too? Yeah, absolutely. So for Luna and Lion, um, there are three different ways that you can work with us that I, um, you know, I, I hope suit everyone's sort of business and, and background and, and focus. And we're loving at the moment, especially is doing our, um, our one-to-one kind of six minute sessions that we find can be really supportive, especially for people in that solopreneur space and getting their, um, sort of challenge or goal addressed up front so it's called the lunar line um so that can be really helpful we have a briefing beforehand you get an hour with us to address whatever the objective might be whether it's your content your website some research we can help you with um that can be a great way just to start off that journey um and we also do projects um and we do um sort of rolling marketing team work from events campaigns launches all sorts of marketing goodness um and then coaching wise said so my coaching is very focused so I do um three-month program sort of one-to-one basis um business coaching and I love to work with such a mix of people it's very much really about kind of the energy and our match there so again you'll have, you'll have my links if you think I can support you then I would I would love to chat and um yeah that's where you can find me 
And where are you on social media or what is your website? For me personally, it's um, Nikki, N-I-C-K-I underscore co-c-o-e at on Instagram and my links are all on there. And then for Luna and Lion, it's Luna and Lion Agency on Instagram. And again, all of our links and everything um, are on there as well. Well, here's to a multi-layered goal planning for the rest of the year and quarter and months for you and Scarlett. Um, thank you so much for coming on to the Rewriters and having a chat. Thank you for having me. It's been so fab to feature really soon. Oh, fantastic. See you later. Bye. The Rewriters is produced, written and presented by Monique Shaw. Original artwork by Kiana Perry and original music by DJ Simmons.